Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard, and get ready for an hour nothing but NRL tour. Welcome back to another episode of the 5th and Last Podcast. Jumping in this week to a bit of news to kick things off before we get into our usual routine. Blake Ferguson, back after one game. What do you guys out there think? As far as I'm concerned, it's uh, a bit of a joke that somebody can be banned for having multiple incidents out on the drink and then being said that he will be chucked into counselling and punished, yet one week later he's back on the field. They've spoken about a six-week program that he will be undertaking, but I'm not so sure if Blake Ferguson can go the distance. Richard Fayoso, another one from the weekend, facing a four-week suspension for a late shoulder charge on Ashley Harrison while he's not looking. Uh, The shoulder charge just has to be wiped out completely or it has to be brought back and those who make illegal contact suspended in the right manner. Uh, There's been plenty occur in the first few rounds. Me personally, I think it should be back. They're not going to pick up on all of them. They're not punishing all of them. The four weeks is well-deserved as far as I'm concerned for Fayoso. They should bring it back, just crack down on those that are doing it in the wrong manner and let those who get it right stay on the field. Matt King, former Melbourne player and South Sydney centre, another broken arm playing New South Wales Cup on the weekend, second in short succession. Is this the end of a very stellar career for the great man who played in some green finals in Melbourne and then signed a big money deal in Warrington? Or will he make it back on the field? That's yet to be seen. Corey Norman has signed a three-year deal for the Parramatta Eels, reportedly worth $1.5 million, which I think is pretty ridiculous coin, come to think of it, for a bloke who has plenty of potential but probably hasn't delivered just quite yet. I think Parramatta may have bitten off a little more they can chew money-wise, but I hope that uh, he is a great success for them and I hope he has a great time and fits in at Parramatta because Shaw knows he's the first one who has signed on and hopefully will go there and will uh, be a success for Ricky Stewart and the Eels. Nathan Merritt, hat-trick hero in two games so far, and today Mario Fennec has called for him to be in the New South Wales side. I don't know what everyone else's thoughts on that is, but you could definitely chuck that on the page. As far as I'm concerned, it's got nothing to do uh, with his try-scoring ability. That's obviously fantastic. He is a great finisher, but in the Origin arena, you need more than somebody who's just going to sit out on the edges and wait for an opportunity to come to jump over the white line. You need your players like a Brett Morris or maybe Iwate who gets in and takes the ball. I know he didn't have a great year last year, but we're looking at the prospect of maybe picking up Marika Corabetti, which if uh, anyone watches him and enjoys watching him as much as I do, he runs like a front rower. And I think that's the only thing that separates Nathan Merritt from playing in a game like Origin. You need to be doing all the little things and chipping in, not just jumping over the white line. So nothing against him. I think he's a great winger, but I just don't think... In that regard, he can step up in the Origin Arena, but hopefully he proves me wrong. Uh, another talking point from the weekend from the Fayoso incident, should there be an emergency player for foul play, an 18th man introduced? So if you've shoulder-charged somebody, head-hide, anything, 
to do with a penalty or being put on report? Should you be able to bring an 18th man off the bench to replace them so you're not disadvantaged? You see the Titans lose an 80-minute player in Ashley Harrison. They go down to 16 on 17. Fayoso's put on report but gets to see out the rest of the game. I don't know what everyone else's thoughts is, but uh, I definitely think it's something that the commission should put high on their checklist. Billy Slater, ninja, karate kid, or just a fullback? He's been cleared, obviously, with his illegal contact with David Clemmer. Uh, there was an official press release from the judiciary stating that once you're in the air, you have a right to defend yourself. And also, Clemmer had a right to contest the ball, but obviously the only way to contest the ball is in the air with Billy Slater. So they've deemed the contact accidental on the grounds that Clemmer was coming in not to contest the ball, but to take Billy Slater out. I think he's quite lucky not to have got at least a week or two, but he's definitely going to have to be more careful from now on. Pressing on to the pressured coaches, Stephen Price, Matt Elliott, Anthony Griffin and David Ferner. Ferner going to win last night, but I still think he's under the pump. Anthony Griffin, halves aren't doing the job, sides not scoring, zero line breaks on the weekend, no points. Norman walking out the door and hump the only other halves option. What's the story there? Matt Elliott, doomed from day one, do you think? Because I definitely do. You saw Elijah Taylor last year on the news say, is he really our coach? That he wanted Kevin uh, Tony Iro, sorry. And then Stephen Price, the poison chalice from day one, taken over from Wayne Bennett, and things definitely don't seem to be getting better. Which moves me on to the final point in news this week. 13 players off contract with the Dragons. Just to name a few, Jamie Soward, Matt Pryor, Michael Wayman, Mitchell Rain, Ben Cray, Nathan Fien, Matt Cooper, and more. In my opinion, Fien and Cooper should retire. Cray, you think, would re-sign. He's been a loyal customer. Mitch Rain's going to be the real winner here. He's a fantastic young player. You think he's going to get big money or go elsewhere. Jamie Soward, I think they should cut ties with him and really have a, a sharp go at Todd Carney. Wayman is a good player, but he's injury-prone and he's coming back. And Matt Pryor just looks ridiculously unhappy. And we all know what a fantastic player he was the previous years. Uh, if they don't want him and he's not happy, I'd be more than happy to have him at the store. And I don't think he'd struggle to find a new club. But kicking things off, that's just a bit of news, so let's jump in to the show. Alright, we start off this week with a new segment called The Fast Five, where every week we'll go through a quick five questions. Number one will be the Facebook question of the week, which will be up on our Facebook page. You can get on there and vote on that. We'll have our highlight of the week, low light of the week, Player of the Week, and obviously Dance of the Week, which is the worst player. But our Facebook question this week, Brock? Yeah, it was who will go down as the best halfback of the modern era. Now, our available options were Andrew Johns, Jonathan Thurston, Cooper Cronk, Alan Langer, and Ricky Stewart. Andrew Johns came out of that um, as a unanimous winner. He had 15 votes. Jonathan Thurston had four votes. Cooper Cronk won, Alan Langer won, and Ricky Stewart zero personal votes, so we both took Andrew Johns in that equation. Yeah, until um, I think it was on uh, the Matty John show last weekend, or it might have been on NRL 360, where they were talking about what uh, Jonathan Thurston has to do to, to go past Andrew Johns, and, and most people sort of agree that he's going to need to win a competition with the Cowboys in order to at least equal or, or go above what Andrew Johns managed to achieve in his, uh, his career. Cooper Cronk, he's obviously already won a couple of grand finals, uh, he probably hasn't dominated the state of origin um, arena. I think he will do that in the next couple of years. So, for me, I think the only threat to Andrew Johns isn't actually Jonathan Thurston. I think it's going to be Cooper Cronk in, in five or six years' time. 
Yeah, well, I think longevity is on Cronk's side due to being a late bloomer. Thurston's obviously had some injuries, uh, some shoulder, some knee issues. I still think Thurston is outstanding. He can surpass Andrew Johns, but even Cronk or Thurston, in my opinion, Andrew Johns is the most complete player to ever play rugby league. I don't care what anyone says. Uh, outstanding tackle technique, invented half the kicks you see used today. Outstanding goal kicker, good ball runner, yeah. left to right pass, right to left. There's nothing that Andrew Johns couldn't do. Demon on the drink. So. Yeah, everything. <laughs> Throwing up black bourbon in Canberra and still putting 40 <laughs> points on. So moving on to the next one. Highlight of the week. What was your highlight of the week? Uh, my highlight of the week was the Titans win. Um, not only just because I'm a Titans fan, but um, just I thought it was the most exciting game of the weekend out of all of them. Uh, close second would have been the Penrith Rabbitohs game yesterday. That was just a, a game of touch footy. It was a really good game to watch. Well, moving on to my one, I had the Sharks feeding frenzy. If you didn't watch that game of the weekend, record it. If you want to say that the shoulder charge needs to come back, you're completely wrong. Some of the contact I heard on that made me sick while I was sitting on the couch. It sounded like a car crash was going on. <laughs> Fafita was so angry. Wade Graham had a massive chip on his shoulder. It was outstanding. So low light of the week. Uh, was the shoulder charge. Richie Fayoso shoulder charge coming out of the same game. The other one, I, I probably had two, was Ben Ross's knee on Steve Rapira. That was, I looked at that today and I think he's been charged and he's been given one week. Um, I think if he takes the guilty plea, he gets off. So. He, he intentionally kneed him. When Steve Rapira went down to make the tackle, Ben Ross has, has made a deliberate attempt to knee him in the head. Like, mm-hmm. I, I thought it was pretty crook, to be honest. Well, my load of the week was the Dragons' all-round performance and also the Warriors' all-round performance. Couldn't really split them. I think the Warriors are much worse than the Dragons, but just in general, it's pretty sad to see how far they've fallen. But um, uh, your best player of the week? Oh, tough one. Tough one. I'd, I'd probably have to go uh, Cooper Cronk. I thought he was, again, excellent um, and steered the, the, uh, the storm home on Thursday night. Well, I couldn't split my vote between G.I. and that point fest. Every time he touched the ball, he was epic. And Nate Miles, 24 runs on the weekend, absolutely tireless, 40 tackles. He was just a machine. And uh, the last well, one we have... G.I., just on G.I., yeah, he would have been right up there with Cooper Cronk for me. Um, he was excellent. It was Dance of the Week. Dance? Oh, this is a difficult one. I'm going to go Daily Cherry Evans. I thought he, he was really poor in the, uh, in the Manly loss. He ended up costing them the game when he kicked out on the full, so um, I'm going to give him him the dunce of the week. Well, I had Daly Cherry Evans just because of his terrible haircut. Um, <laughs> the other one was Jared Hayne for his attitude on Friday night. I thought that uh, even though Jared Hayne actually didn't play too bad, he was absolutely disgraceful. The amount of penalties he gave away in the back chat, I just thought it was ridiculous. And Cherry Evans, mate, if you don't shave your head, I'll come do it for you. That's just disgusting. <laughs> well, that's the Fast Five, and now we're going to jump in with the Wild Panther, Mark Geyer. Time four, ten in the bin with the Wild Panther, Mark Gaia. by our favourite Westie and a lover of rugby league, Mark Guy. Welcome back, mate. Hey, Lewis. Hey, Brock. How are you, boys? What's going on, big fella? Oh, mate, another, uh, another good weekend of footy. Um, obviously, you know, uh, I was at the Panthers game on Sunday and um, they showed some glimpses of, of some good form, but um, 
I think the Rabbitohs kind of took their foot off the pedal a bit, and they were lucky that at one stage, yeah, we got within two points of them, we'll get 32-34, but, um, yeah, a pretty, a pretty mixed-up weekend, you know, a few coaches with their, uh, the, the big knife looking to get stabbed firmly in their back, um, as always is the case in rugby league, I haven't spoken about this earlier on the, on the podcast, that, um, the coaches who are zero and four after four rounds might be uh, in for a, a rude awakening. Well, it's only taken the Warriors three rounds, and they're already saying that uh, you know Elliot's on, on, on shaky water. So, um, you know, the young Price at, at the Dragons as well. Um, I suppose he he needs something. He needs that. Oh, I think he's got the cattle there. I think he's just got to implement a different game plan. I, I, I think this young Brickwater from Manly might may hold a couple of answers for him, or. It's quite obvious to make him not a halfback. Um, you know, so I don't know what he's going to do there. Maybe put Soward, um fullback, put, uh, you know, the, the young fullback uh, up, up into the halves, I'm not sure. But, um, mate, and the other, who's the other bloke who's, who's under the pump, I suppose, at the moment is uh, Griffin from the Broncos, who we never saw Alan coming either. Uh, Broncos, you know, I watched that game on, on the weekend against the Roosters. The, the Roosters' defence was good, but. You know, everyone's making out the best defence they've seen since last bread. Um, in, in short, the, the Broncos' halves were diabolical. They couldn't they couldn't put any structure on for the, any ball runners. Uh, Gillette and, and Alex Glenn, two of the best ball high runners in the competition, were getting were, were used as batting ramps. They used as front runners. Um, so little Scott Prince has uh, you know moved a little bit north, more north to the Broncos from the Titans. Obviously, hasn't worked yet. Um, I'd be more worried about Peter Wallace's form, who's uh, obviously an origin player. Yeah, well, I spoke to uh, Brock about that the other night in the first few weeks. I keep bringing it up for having a, a player with the experience of Scott Prince who's supposed to guide them around the park, and then you got Peter Wallace who wants to play origin again. Well, I'm telling you at the moment, they're both playing like New South Wales Cup players. They, they don't deserve to be playing first grade, and now they've got a problem with Norman, obviously, signing with Parramatta today, a three-year deal, so... He's walking out the door. Ben Hunt is definitely not up to first grade standard. So as far as the halves are concerned, what do you do if you're Anthony Griffin? And you know, there's, there's pressure on his job. So you know, you need halves to, to be successful in the NRL, and they've, they're in big trouble. Yeah, they've got. They've got I mean, they've got uh, two uh, six and seven who are probably a carbon copy of each other. Um, yeah, you need one of them the least who can have a bit of ball playing, one can, who can hit holes, and they are what mainly do with four and. And Cherry Evans, you know, for him to uh, really good foil for Cherry Evans, uh, even though the Titans um, gave him a bit of a shellacking up there on the weekend, which would uh, make the big club there happy, Bob Brocky. Yeah. Um, the Titans are looking good. Um, I like the look of the Titans. Uh, Idris looks a lot fitter. Uh, looks like he really wants to play this year. Um, I think the Roosters are going to ruin the day that they let uh, Tagarangi go, because I think he's a sensational player. and well, uh, on the Roosters, uh, Simons, as well, Tom Simons, who went to Manly, uh, had a good game in that game as well. So, a couple of players who had to let go, and I hear um, earlier this week um, that uh, we're just on the great line of Brent Kite um, is leaving Manly as well to go to the, the Penny Campus. So, um, big, big changes in the NRL. Yeah, plenty of changes going on, and that's actually been confirmed not too long ago on uh, Fox mm. Sports that Brent Kite is going to the Panthers for the next two years. So, obviously looking to find a, an extra front row, probably for the bench, I, I suppose, to see at the back end of his career. But uh, I don't really think it's uh, forwards that the Panthers should be buying at this point in time. I think they need to get on the halfback market. I know there's not too much floating around, but it's definitely an area of concern. Well, I know Son Young, um, Luke O'Donnell's brother. I know Son Mossy Masoli. Um, 
Yeah, Brent Kite. I agree 100%. I think the last thing to do is murder front rows. Yeah, well, um, we... They've got plenty of back rows. Um, it, seemed to me, it seems to me that uh, the six and the seven are the Panthers dramas, and um, they, they signed a young bloke from the, the English Super League, and uh, correct me if I'll get his name or Isaac John, is it? Yeah, Isaac John's come back. Isaac John, well, you know, when, when something like um, Lachlan Kutt goes down, you, you'd automatically think that either him or, or Blake Austin would go straight into number six, but they uh, put young Docker in. and um, uh, Sorry, young, young Tom Humble. And while Tom Humble's a, uh, a decent player, I, I just don't think he's the answer. That's what Tom will tell. Yeah, well, we'll find out about that. But uh, what about some other games? I was going to bring up the, the Storm one, being a bit biased towards them myself and the Bulldogs. I think... They've still got a long way to go, but they got the job done. But uh, the Bulldogs, Bulldogs showed very promising signs considering they got three world-class international forwards to come back and Ben Barber, the Dalian medal player, that's for sure. Yeah, if you look at the competition table and you see that the um, the Bulldogs are one from three, you, you, any other club you might start to panic. Um, but they, as you mentioned, Lewis, the three players that got to come back in their roster are world-class, or the four players that got to come back in their roster are all, all world-class. Um, Cassiano, Pritchard, Graham and Barber. Um, any club would be able to have one of them players, let alone four of them. Mm. And they're all going to come back into a team that, as you said, held their own against the Storm. And in, in fact, probably with a better team uh, in the second half against the Storm. Uh, Storm are obviously going to hit, hit a brick wall in the next couple of weeks uh, due to the preparation they had with going to England and playing in the World Club Challenge and then coming back and, and playing in oppressive conditions, especially here in Sydney over the last couple of weeks. So, um, they're probably, they're probably lucky they had a couple of night games thrown in in Melbourne to help with their preparation, but it's going to, even, even the superhuman side like Melbourne, uh, we're going to come back to the field soon, and that's just up to the other teams to capitalise on. Um, I thought maybe the Dogs might have last weekend, but um, they did show some class in storming, manufacturing, and winning. That's why they're the premiers. Yeah, well, I was about to say, I did a little quick check on the numbers. The Dogs had more metres, more offloads and more line breaks. A uh, hundred less tackles, but still Melbourne find a way to win. So it's definitely a sign of uh, a reason why they're a team that can definitely go back-to-back. Uh, that's to be seen if they can keep everyone on the park. But probably the biggest issue to come out of it, Billy Slater, the Ninja. What do you think of that one? <laughs> yeah, it's a hard one, isn't it? I, I, look, it, I think it was accidentally clumsy, um, accidentally reckless and probably accidentally careless as well. I don't think in, at, one, at any stage did he mean to uh, hurt the big fellow Clemmer. Um, it'd take, it'd take a, an axe to try and knock him down. Uh, Clemmer, he's such a big unit. Um, but Billy Slater's obviously got to refine his, uh, his bomb-diffusing methods. He, he changed his ways when he uh, went in to try and stop Troy's being scored with the, with the feet, so he's got an inning to change. Um, I, I don't think he should have... Oh, look, if, Put it this way, if I go in and tackle one of you boys and you know, I aim for the ball and my arm slips off the ball and hits you in the chin and I didn't move it, it's still careless and reckless. Yep. Uh, and I'll probably still get a week or two. So maybe Billy Slater could have, could have fallen into that category, even though it was a completely different incident. Um, it was still one of them things that could be, could be deemed um, a little bit careless. But um, on the other hand, you could say, what was the, what was the big fella doing so close to from a bomb? You know, you got to wait till they catch the bomb and then really fall down. At the next stage, was he going to jump for the ball with Billy Slater? So uh, maybe a bit of a lesson for, for young Clemmer as well. Yeah, well, I read an official press release from the, the panel and it said something very similar, that uh, he's obviously got a right while he's in the air to defend himself and that Clemmer's got a right to contest the ball if he's in the air and only make contact if he's on the ground, which if you play footy, you know the rules. I know a lot of 
a lot of people freaked out about it, but he definitely wasn't going down there to get in the air with him, and he was very close when uh, Billy was at the, the peak of his jump. So I think no, I definitely no. agree with you. I'm not going to be biased. I thought he would have got a week or two. He's, he's gotten away with it, but um, in the future, he's most definitely going to have to clean that up, much like the leading with a foot technique and uh, just a, a good one during the week. I've caught plenty about the ninja kick, but I've said it's always better to be a kicker than a biter, so I'm, I'm pretty happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, in no, in no coaching manual does it say to, you know, that tackle technique starts with your face. So, I mean, David Clemmer, tackle with your shoulder champ, wait, wait till he uh, hits the ground. There's no old coaching like Rob Willie used to say, they can't run without heads. Well, <laughs> Well, that's right. I mean, the, probably the other big talking point out of the weekend, mate, was obviously the the uh, Richie Ferris so hit on Ash Harrison. Now, this is probably one for me, and I was blowing up at the time, um, yeah. saying that I just I couldn't understand as a you know obviously as a Titans fan, I couldn't understand that Manly a Manly player committed a foul. He he's knocked Harrison out. Harrison's been taken off on a on a, on a stretcher. It, then our bench goes down to sixteen. He gets put on report. We get a penalty. But we play with 16 for the rest of the game. They play with 17. So in essence, they come out of it better than what we did. I just thought it was ridiculous. Like, and at the end of the game, I was getting angrier and angrier as Manly started to come back. And I thought, they're going to get us here on the bell. And I, I was going to tear the lounge room to pieces, I'll, I'll be honest with you. But you know, I thought we, we deserved to win. We ended up winning in the end. But I just thought, why, why have the rule if, if you know, sides are going to gain an advantage out of shoulder charging? Yeah, well, there's a perfect, uh, a perfect answer where, you know, there's been a lot of talk about having an 18th man um, in, play, in games. Just for that type of incident, um, exactly what happened to Ash House. And if, if a player is taken from the field for, for an illegal hit or, or something that's been put on report and can take no further part in the game, why should that team be penalised? I, I believe that then they should have the right to call upon their 18th man and say, OK, mate, on the go, because Harrison's not coming back today. Um, now, I think we've got to look, it's a great area. I, I, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm, I really am. The last thing I want to see, buddy, is, you know, 20 minutes to go in a game, we see a bloke go down injured and he's not. Um, just so we can get a, a fresh uh, bloke on with uh, good legs. Um, it's yeah. got to be, you know, maybe in the first half or, or something. If, if someone goes down with an illegal hit in the first half, that's put on report and you take that more uh, further part in the game, you know, maybe then. But I definitely feel that. There's no way in the world that the team who loses the player through an act of foul play should be penalised. And I'm not sure how to fix it, but there's definitely something that's got to be discussed. Probably the next big, big thing on the, the Independent Commission's mandate would be that. Um, you know, when, when a player... Well, and I think Thayer has been charged. Uh, he's looking at two, three or four weeks, so... Um, yeah, but that doesn't... That, that gives the Gold Coast no, no advantage at all. If they get beat. Yeah, it, it doesn't help us out. I, I think you can fix it very easily. You just say, well... Harrison's off, Fayo, so you're off as long as Harrison's off. And in that case, it just would have been 16 v 16. Fayo, so wouldn't have been able to go on. I'd, and you could go to the point... That's, that's, that's another way. There you go. That's, you know, and that's easy. You don't have a player coming on and you don't have that debate. I, I just see it very, fixed fairly simply. Yeah, yeah well then, you got, then you don't get headhunters who come on... You know, then you don't get players who come on just to maim the ball players for opposing teams or... Um, you know, that could be a great way to fix it as long as that breaks off your staff as well. And if it's the whole game, also, be it. You, you know, you, you've committed the foul. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, only, the only probably glitch in that is if they go back to the video and they show that it was, you know, it was an accidental uh, head clash and the blokes went put on report 
uh, when he probably shouldn't have been, um, when he goes to the judiciary and they find he has no case to answer, um, you know, Manly would have been blowing up if that, if that rule was in place and Paraso had to spend all the time on the sideline, he did nothing wrong. So, look, honestly, there's, there's definitely something there. There's definitely a, some way we can fix it. Um, there's, there's pros and cons to both ways, but um, they're, they're just I think the main underlying point is that no team should be penalised for having a, a player you know, carried off injured. What what ticked me off? Jeff Turvey sort of said, "Well, it was just a head clash," and I, you know, I thought, "Well, it wasn't the head the head clash was a result of the shoulder charge." Like he he went in, turned his hip, shoulder charged him, and you know, he obviously the head clash is what knocked Harrison out. But Harrison wasn't looking at where Faraso was coming from. So if I mean if if I'm standing behind you and I run at you and whack you in the back and you don't know when it's coming, you know, obviously it's going to do more damage than if you you did know it was coming. I just I don't know. Jeff, yeah, you know, like, Jeff Tuvey gets under my skin. When you have time to brace yourself, it is. It's a lot easier to take the impact. That's why forwards, when they're running the ball up, that, that, well, it's like a, a small car crash when they hit each other, but they also brace themselves for the impact. So um, it stops the whiplash of the neck. And it didn't look, look good, uh, I must admit. And when I feel I feel um, on Monday's uh, Telegraph really ripped in and said that it, uh, we should, we've got to make a stance, we're going to ban it, we've got to make a stance, and I, I, I tend to agree with him. Mm. Yeah, well, I've, I've got to the point now where I'm just going to chuck it out there. It's either going to come back or it's got to disappear. Nathan Merritt whacked somebody last week, didn't get put on report. Billy Slater gets put on report for obviously hitting Winnerstein. There's plenty of them creeping in there and around the game that aren't getting penalised, so it's something they need to look at. It's either got to be completely wiped out and every one of them is going to be penalised or nothing at all. But um, leave I, think, I, I think we're missing it. I, I, know, I know that I was filthy when they announced that they were going to get rid of the shoulder charge. I said, well, you know, it's a fabric of our game. No, I was filthy as well. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I must admit, after, you know, three rounds now, um, I don't think we have missed it. I, I, you know, someone like Sonny Bill Williams, who, um, when I heard he was coming back to the game, I thought he'd be the first bloke who would affect. And he's shown that in three games since coming back that he's made over 100 tackles and hasn't missed one, but he, but he hasn't used his shoulder once. So, you know, incidents like that on the weekend with Harrison make me think. Well, you know, if my boy is playing in a game, I don't want him to be hit like that. But then, one of the, you know, when a shoulder charge comes off in the game in the start of a larger match, off a kickoff when you know Tim Grant poleaxes uh, Petro Sigmundson with the ball, that's uh, a very similar incident um, mm-hmm. as a shoulder charge. But you know, we love that. We we put it in their highlights. So um, yeah, you're probably right. You know, Lewis, you know, I don't either get rid of it altogether and, and don't have, have zero tolerance um, or, you know, do something quickly about the inconsistencies about it because, as you mentioned, a few incidents then, um, it's then one rule for one, one for another. Yeah, well, I'd really like them to uh, bring it back personally, much like you, being a big bopper. You, you, you love a bit of the old contact. You love getting ripped in, but uh, it's got to be each to their own. You, you can't be... Well, just bring it back and say, if you, get, if, you get, if you do one of the guys wrong, you get six weeks automatically. No, well, you know, that's it. No I thought, I thought that was the easy way to solve it. I'm with you on that one. I thought that was uh, not rocket science, but they went the hard way. But um, well, I think, MG... Well, that... You put your CV over at the Warriors yet for the, uh, the Warriors job <laughs> as a package deal. Who's that? You two boys, you put your CV in for the Warriors. Oh, job, mate, yeah. I, I wouldn't want it. He's the coach, mate. I'm the hype man. <laughs> <laughs> mate, 11 games in a row. Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the biggest part of... um, The biggest part... Sorry, mate. The biggest part of being a coach is product placement, I think. So it's one of those <laughs> It's one of those jobs where you're on a hiding to nothing, much as um, Steve Price is finding out. So... Yeah, well, so many others, man. I mean... But they didn't want him to start with, so... Yeah. Obviously, the players... 
Well, I'm not saying New Zealand because of, um, you know, uh, a one-team country, not just a one-team city, a one-team country. Yeah. Um, they wanted Iroh. So maybe the hierarchy should have gave them Iroh and if they didn't perform, said, well, that's it for me. I want to shake your mouths and play footy because we, we keep giving you coach after coach. And, um, you know, and, and I feel I'm a bit thrilled because he kind of went there as a dead man walking because yeah. the players didn't give him any chance to try and uh, impose his will upon their team. And now we saw after three rounds that he might be the first coach, you know, sacked. Yeah, we look at Kidwell. They offered Kidwell the job, told him to hold on because they had other people on the line. And when they called him back, it, you know, he's another Kiwi alternative that probably would have been a, a little yeah. better accepted. They called him and he said no. Uh, coming from the Melbourne system, he obviously said he needed more time to get yeah. his staff and put together a preseason. and said it was an absolute joke that they'd been calling him. So Matt Elliott definitely got served a bit of a death sentence. I'll give you a bit of a group, boys. Only for you, boys. I think uh, if... if Brisbane continue their, their woes. Uh, look for like, Kate Waters, Kevin Waters to be head coach and his assistant to be Darren Lockyer. Okay, there you go. You, you heard it first. Seems, it seems like good information. Oh, like. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, for the last podcast. Uh, yeah, well, well, I'm going to this week, boys. I'm off to take, take the kids to do a bit of uh, basketball training and I know you boys are going to go out and do some MMA on each other. So, uh, <laughs> no squirrel groups and uh, I'll talk to you next time. Happy days. No worries. Thanks for your time, mate. Thanks, champions. Thanks a lot, mate. As always, a big thank you to MG, and you can catch him 6 to 9 every morning on Triple M, the grill team, and hit him up on his Twitter page at MarkMGGuyer. Now we move on to a review of the games from the weekend. Having trouble keeping track of all the play movements and signings in the NRL? Want to know who your team has re-signed, who they gained, and who they've lost for the next season? Well, check out www.zerotackle.com for all the latest news and rumours on the NRL. Zerotackle.com All right, jumping into our roundup of round three, kicking off the games from the weekend. Thursday night, obviously, the grand final rematch. Storm prevailing 22-18 over the Dogs. You know, what I thought was a, a pretty good game, still a bit sloppy by Melbourne, but very impressed by the Dogs. And I, I seriously think if you've got any money in your back pocket, go to the tab right now and get on the Dogs while they're at $7. Because when they get back those three big international forwards in Ben Barber, they're going to shake some heads. Yeah, well, if they had those players, they probably would have won this game. I thought Melbourne were very poor. I thought they were flat. Uh, they started to show the signs of the World Club Challenge and, you know, the heavy schedule that they've had in the last couple of weeks. I thought the dogs were very gallant and probably in the end, um, if only for the the kick um, that went dead at the end, they, they probably could have won the game if they used their last two tackles. So I just thought Melbourne probably fell asleep at the wheel a little bit towards the end of the game. There were some key points to come out of that one. Like I said, uh, 11 errors by Melbourne, 24 missed tackles, 333 total. So they were up against it. The Bulldogs made 100 less tackles, had more metres, more offloads, and line breaks. So you look at all those key factors, though, it still does show that Melbourne are the team to beat. Yep, for me, the two key things that changed this game, first one was the Billy Slater kick. I thought that was ridiculous. We've, we've already obviously been over that with MG. Well, but that cleared, changed so. the game. Um, the dogs scored from the preceding set. Uh, the other one was a Cooper Cronk no-try from an obstruction, which was just ridiculous. Uh, I know that in the last couple of days, Daniel Anderson's come out and said that any contact that a that a player or a block runner initiates with the defensive line is going to be pulled back regardless of whereabouts it occurred on the field. And for me, I think it's ridiculous. I, common sense needs to prevail in, in situations like that. The defender that was impeded, I'm not sure who it was, but he was never going to get over to Cooper Cronk and um, stop him from scoring the try. So I was left a little dumbfounded by that. I think we might have gone too far 
uh, trying to clean up the obstruction rule. But those two, for me, changed the game. Well, I think it was to Powell, but yeah, he had no hope of getting across. He wasn't even going to make the effort to get across. Big front row in the middle is not going to push three wide. But um, I think coming out of that game, the Storm were sloppy, but as usual, the big three, Smith, Cronk, Slater. Uh, I think Cronk was outstanding. I, I can't believe how good he started off the year. That altitude training's really paid off. He's come back a million bucks. Uh, Billy Slater, pretty dominant again, and Smith just probing around the ruck. But uh, big raps again on Tohu Harris. Really enjoy watching him play. Yeah, for me, the you know, the dogs—they're the best one and two team um, out there at the moment. They'll—they're uh, obviously, as we said, improve through the roof once they get their key men back. They play South on Good Friday now, so it doesn't get any easier for them. They've had a really tough schedule early in the season. Melbourne fly up and play the Broncos. Uh, I think they'll dust the Broncos, so um, might be a blessing in disguise. I know Melbourne are doing a lot of travel, but at the moment they're probably not playing uh, strong sides. So. Um, hopefully they can they rack up the points like they uh, they always do and um, they'll put themselves in a good position once they start playing some teams that are in form. I also thought gallant effort again by uh, Aiden Tolman, pretty much acting solo at the moment. He's doing a great job. Uh, Drury Lowe, much improved as well. Lost his footing there and ran Billy Slater down. And I think that Morris and Reynolds, they're doing a great job at the moment. Uh, just absolutely outstanding. Inu as well, seven tackle busts and Finucan over 100 metres from the bench, so some really good contributions. I can't wait until they get all their players back. Yeah. But uh, moving on from that one, this second game, Friday night clash between the Tigers and the Eels, and uh, this one, to be honest, just left me uh, a bit dumbfounded. The, the Tigers at the end, they celebrated, they were very happy, but when you go back and look at a lot of the tries, they're off Parramatta errors, two crashovers over the top of uh, Chrissy Sandow by Lawrence, and then the brain snap at the back. So to me, I wouldn't be too happy about this one if I was the Tigers. No, Parramatta killed themselves in this game. They they could have easily won this game. They had 30% possession in the first half. As you said, they piggybacked the Tigers down the field, just allowed them to attack their line for you know, the majority of that, that first period. It took a lot of gas out of their legs. Parramatta then came out in the second half, showed some glimpses early. I thought if they could have uh, you know, got the first... One maybe two tries, uh, you know they obviously would have been right into the game, but uh, just a few things didn't go their way. They then, uh, you know, spat the dummy, and, and Jared Hayne seemed content on arguing the referee, and uh, the whole side seemed to just it was contagious the negativity, and it, it killed Parramatta in the end. It's a game that they're going to look at maybe at the end of the year and think, well, that's one that got away. Tigers fans, as you said, mate, it, I wouldn't be that impressed with that win. I think it's going to be glazed over. I think. Even the win the week before against Penrith, uh, you know, with obviously Lachlan Coote coming out. So they've had two wins where probably the opposition has uh, contributed to it as much as their good work. Yeah, well, a big thing from that one, 15-8 to 8 was the error count. Parramatta missed less tackles than the West Tigers did. Mm. But obviously, you give away that much ball. Obviously, the first 60 minutes, my God, they, they virtually didn't touch the thing. And then as soon as Parra got the ball, we've seen how fantastic they were. The tries they constructed were outstanding. Uh, I felt bad for young Tautai. I know it was a bit of a brain snap and he tried to chuck it at Jared and he dropped it. But other than that, for three, a bloke who's three games in, once again, good game, two line breaks, a uh, couple of tackle busts and good metres. So. Yeah, that the, the error from the young kid came from all the possession that the Tigers had had. They, they were in a position where they had to make that play. You know, mm. I don't think it was uh, a play that he'd make any other day of no. the week. I think it was just he was trying to do something positive for his team and it, it didn't work out. I mean... If, if it gets a little bit more legs and Jared Hayne grabs it, he could go the length and score, and we're talking about it in a different light. So that definitely didn't cost Parramatta the game. I thought, you know, the possession, obviously, they gave away in the first half. That's what gave 
um, the game away. I thought just watching the game, the player that made the, the biggest difference on the field was Robbie Farrell. I think if Robbie Farrell was playing for Parramatta, uh, Parramatta probably win that game. You know, I think you chuck Aaron Woods on Parramatta yep. side of things as well. And yeah, the, he was good. They were the two I was going to wrap up. I know a lot of people got caught up in the whole Marshall storm, but I still didn't think he was that impressive. Oh, and, well, Marshall's obviously the talking point out of that Benji's game was the quick tap that he took. That was excellent. Oh, it was a real heads-up play. Pull Parramatta's pants down. He was tidy, but I'd still like to see him do more. I'd like to see him help out young Jacob Miller and the Haas because... I think their attack isn't as fluent as what it should be because I don't know whether Marshall's in there doing the the level of organising that he should be for a senior player. I think a lot of that's been left to Jacob Miller and I think he's struggling with the workload and the organisation and trying to push that side around. Yeah, well, the final 20 minutes, obviously, was the big turning point. They uh, pretty much threw the towel in the old Tigers and let themselves go. And just one last thing on that game, Cora Betty went off with a foot, in, uh, foot injury. Still not 100% sure how bad it is, but on the theme of outstanding young wingers, much like Tautua, 140 metres before he went off the field. So yeah. uh, he's, it's ridiculous. He's leaps and bounds, that kid. He's, he's going to be enormous. It is absolutely ridiculous how good these young wingers are. But Well, the Tigers, they now play Manly on Friday night. Sorry, Thursday night, that is that game. Uh, we'll get a much better indication out of where the Tigers are at after they play Manly. Parramatta play the Roosters on Monday night. Um, I think Parramatta will give the Roosters a real shake if they can hang on to 50% of the, the pill. I think that's, that's, a chance. that's a good game for both of them at this point in the season because the, yeah. uh, the Roosters get a good win on the weekend, but they've still got a little bit to prove to themselves. And yep. The Tigers are definitely not going to get an easy time defensively and as far as aggression goes with the Eagles after a, a pretty disappointing game on the weekend. But moving on to that game with the Eagles, they did play the Titans and they went down 16-14. They clawed back in with the last 20 minutes. The, the Titans almost handed it off, but all in all, I thought it was an excellent performance by the Titans, and especially after a controversy with uh, Ashley Harrison being shoulder-charged and taken off on a stretcher, I thought they recovered quite nicely. I thought it was a stinker of a first half watching the game. It was just end-to-end and there was no attacking fluency at all. Obviously, the, the turning point in that, uh, half obviously gave the Titans a 2-0 lead at half time was the fail so hit again we've been over that with MG I was pretty disgusted in the fact that Manly uh, were able to have an active foul play that somehow disadvantaged the Titans and allowed Manly to play the remaining uh, 45 minutes with an extra man that's probably something for the NRL to sort out but um, you know it wasn't a, it wasn't a good look for the game you got to look at, look at it and say well if you're a parent of a young child who's about to make a decision on what winner sport they're going to play, that's not the look we want for our game. And I think the way that Jeff Tuvey came out in the media and, and watered it down, I thought that was ridiculous. I think he needs to wake up to himself. I think in the reverse situation, Johnny Cartwright, you know, would have been a lot uh, handled it with a lot more dignity. I just thought it was poorly handled by all and sundry. And uh, I hear today that Manly are going to challenge the grading of, of the of the shot. If the NRL are serious about rubbing out the shoulder charge, they need to go hammer and tong here and, and uphold the, the charge that they've laid down on foes. So. Now, we're moving away from the negative point there. The Titans, I thought, forwards in particular, really good, great metres. Uh, Defence was solid, but they still need to press a little bit more off the line. I think they sit back a little too much. This uh, is the Titans you're talking about? Yeah, big yeah. positive in the halves with Kelly and Caesar. I think they continue to grow. That's only going to get better. Idris and Taylor, a bit better, but I still think for the standard of play, you need to get a little bit more out of them. But numero uno for me again, Nate Miles, he just had an absolute cracker on the weekend. He had 24 carries, 34 tackles. He was just everywhere. I, I can't believe that bloke hasn't died yet of cardiac arrest from the amount of work he puts in. Yeah, I think we knew that coming into the season. I knew that as a Titans fan. Our strength is going to be our forward pack. 
we've got a, an origin, probably international class forward pack. It's just whether our outside backs and our halves can click enough to put enough points on the board. I don't think they did put enough points on the board on the weekend. I thought if Manly uh, could have clicked at the back end of that game, it's a game that Manly probably think that they should have won and they probably should have. But, I mean, the Titans held on and I thought in the end, with all the issues that happened earlier in the game, I thought they deserved to win the Gold Coast. Uh, but for me, I think if we play Melbourne, if we play Bulldogs, if we play South, we're going to need more than 18 points. And at this stage of the season, I know we beat Canberra up, but they were awful. The two quality sides that we've played, uh, we haven't been able to post any more than 18 points. Uh, sorry, 16 points. So that's a little bit of a concern. I think that's going to that's going to be the difference between us making the eight and not making the eight. Yeah, I'm moving on to the Eagles. Uh just, I can't believe it. From the first two weeks, what we've seen was just ruthless aggression. and They would just look quite ineffective. Um, Brett Stewart was one that stood out for me. For someone who's supposed to be the incumbent for the New South Wales jersey, he looked like he was walking around just kicking blades of grass. Mm. I uh, thought the halves were ordinary. Well, that's what I was about to get on to. Jamie Lyon, non-existent the first few weeks, getting absolutely no ball from Cherry Evans. I don't know what's going on there. They're, they're absolutely loving that left edge, and I think Matai's probably been their best player along with Foran, but yeah. you've got Jamie Lyon sitting on the other side. So Is that maybe a change in tack from Tuvi, thinking we'll, we'll attack the other side because most teams will prepare for them to come down line's edge? Well, you still need to be. share the ball all around, but um, yeah. Ford Pack, showing its age, no one got over 100 metres for them. They made 80 more tackles, more errors, and I think uh, a big thing, fifth tackle options in the game this day, it's uh, very important, and Thought those was quite terrible. Well, so. I was I was quite confident the Titans could compete with Manly heading into the game, just because I thought that the Knights gave Manly all the ball when they got pounded at Brookvale Oval, and in round one, the Broncos led Manly when they held the ball. Second half, they spilt it and managed to give the game away. So I'm not totally sold on Manly at the moment. Um, time will tell. I think Cherry Evans need to pay more attention to his footy rather than his haircut. Yeah, it was an absolute disgraceful one, but they obviously move on this week. Your mob go to play the Panthers. I think that's probably, I'm not going to just say it's going to be a walkover, but I think if they're a serious contender this year, you've got to chalk up a win this year, uh, this week, sorry, against the Panthers. Well, it doesn't matter where we sit and where Penrith sit. We always have trouble winning against the Panthers. I don't know what it is. Same as Parramatta. And the other one would be the Tigers. They're going to be playing the Eagles this weekend. We've already touched on that just before. I think uh, it's a bit of a contrast in styles. I think Manly will bring their defence back and... The Tigers have got the attacking flair, but they definitely need to bring a bit more in the defensive department. But other game that we move on to on the Saturday was the Roosters, 8-0 over the Broncos, an absolute Barry Crocker of a game. Not much points. I, I want to rephrase that. James Maloney, 8. Brisbane, 0. Mm. But uh, just the Broncos, I don't know what's going on there. Absolutely horrible. That With the two blokes they have in the halves, one of them should obviously be leading it, but you've got absolutely nothing from either of them so far. Yeah, well, he's got the combination wrong. We've, I've said this for the past three weeks on the podcast. Prince needs to play seven. He needs to be inside because he does not run the ball. Wallace needs to be on the outside. He's got a better long passing game, and he, he's a running threat. I... Still, I just don't understand why Corey Norman's playing fullback. That's ridiculous. Get Josh Hoffman back to fullback. Punt one of the halves. I don't know whether it's Wallace or Prince. I said this last week. I don't care who it is. Make a call, Griffin. Get Norman back into the halves, and I think you'll have a much more effective side. They just got they go sideways at the moment. They got no punch. Their back rowers look disinterested because they know the only ball they're going to get is is rubbish. They're just a team without any attacking mojo at the moment. I thought for the amount of ball that they gave away. They defended really well to only allow the Roosters to score eight points. Well, zero line breaks for the Broncos compared to six with the Roosters, so that's enough right there. They've only looked good with Hodges so far this year. He's the only bloke who looks likely 
to get through. They made 120 less tackles than the Roosters, yet they still couldn't muster up any points. That's you know that's a ridiculous amount of ball to have and have absolutely no strike. And on the downside, like you said, those amazing back rowers. You've got Thido. I know he's playing in tight, but still running on edge. Him, Glenn and Norm, um, Glenn and uh, Gillette are just being beaten up at the moment. They're not being used yeah, in the exactly, way they should be. Exactly. You're spot on. It's it's really sad to see. I mean, they're just a side that's struggling altogether at the moment. From the Roosters, I still that's a scratchy win for them. I wouldn't read too much into that if you're a Roosters fan. They were probably lucky to get away with it in the end. I thought if Brisbane would have got a try, the game would have really opened up. Um, but it just seemed once Maloney kicked the penalty goal that you know, you know the fuzz went out of the game and Brisbane probably thought, well, we're not going to score twice. So um, it probably put the game to the sword. But the Roosters, they improved a little. Their, their attack was a little bit better. I thought Sonny Bill Williams, was, that's his best game he's played so far. Uh, their discipline still, uh, they're, they're lacking in that area. So... I mean, as you said, it'll be interesting when they play Parramatta this week. Well, 120 more tackles. I know the Brisbane didn't toss up too much, but you look at that, that's plenty of time there to make that one brain snap and let Brisbane back into the game, but they didn't. Mm. So that's a big thing. They still made more errors, plenty of penalties, I know, but it's only going to get better. SBW, Maloney, I think probably their two best. Big rap to Sam Moa and Jared. Jared <laughs> Hargraves was outstanding. <laughs> Sam Moa was really good too. He, he's impressed, hasn't he, since well, uh, we first saw him in the Foundation Cup. We that, gave him a rap that night. That's the front row right there. I think the, probably the only thing they really need to step up is Kenny Dow to help out Jennings a bit. You're getting a bit out of Jennings, but I don't yeah. know what's happening. Kenny, Kenny Dow just drops the ball. Whenever he's, he's threatened by or pressured by the defence, he just drops the pill. He's just really ineffective at the moment. Yeah, well, this week they obviously move on. The Broncos... Oh, they go to the Storm. Yeah, they've well, got to go to the Storm. Well, sorry, the Storm's coming to them, but it, it doesn't matter where they play that. They could play it in the parking lot at Kmart Penrith, and Melbourne are still going to wipe the floor with them, I think. Yeah, well, I think Melbourne get a, a bit of a turnaround for once this week. It's yeah, a seven-day well, turnaround. That. We haven't had a full schedule, so that's definitely going to... And Well, it's an eight-day turnaround from Thursday to Friday, so... Yeah, well, a few more training sessions in there, which is good. Yeah. We haven't had too much so far. And the Eels and the Roosters, like I said before... That'll be a good game Monday night. I'm looking yeah. forward to that game. It'll be a game... A good good yardstick this early on the year. I both think they've been OK, but uh, it's just another one of those games where you're going to get a bit better of an indicator how they're going to go this season. Uh, Sharks and the Warriors, the return of Shane Flanagan... 28 to 4. They absolutely wiped the floor with the Warriors. Uh, ruthless aggression. I told you that if there was one game I enjoyed watching over the weekend, it was this one. Because if there was any game that proved we don't need the shoulder charge, it was this one. Yeah. The sound that was getting picked up from the Cronulla defence, I was just falling off the couch. It was outstanding. Yeah. I mean, I watched the game on replay. Obviously, I went out to the Penrith Rabbitohs game, so I didn't see this game live. Um, wasn't shocked in the scoreline. The Warriors are just a side. They're awful at the moment. They've got no character. They seem to have no enthusiasm. The Matty Elliott situation, it's just a, it's a disgusting situation. They should never have employed him. I don't think it's... You can't hang all of this on Matt Elliott. It looks like the players don't want to play for him. The Warriors board um, should have known that before they employed him and put him into the job. They should have listened to what the players had to say. I'm not a fan of the monkeys running the zoo, but um, before Elliott was employed, they, they should have at least gone to the players and, and got their opinion before they made a decision. Uh, this is a, a situation where A hasn't spoken to B and they are really struggling, the Warriors. The Sharks were obviously excellent. Their aggression in defence, as you say, you know, they played with a lot of passion. It was just a, a tale of two different stories. Um, Cronulla are going to be a really difficult side to beat. I mean, for Cronulla, their biggest problem this year is probably going to be what happens with this Asada investigation and if they lose key players to that. Otherwise, they're, they're looking like uh, a better side than what they did last year. And 
and I don't think they can win the competition, but I, I definitely think they could push for a top four spot. I think the biggest change for me, and I said on the weekend, Todd Carney last year looked good in patches, and he got assistance from Robson, but obviously Robson is a bit older and a bit slower now, still going good, but I think Michael Gordon kind of gave him another option. He was kind of floating him around him and hanging off him. He also had an outstanding game, but I think he's kind of freed up Todd Carney a little bit. He's hanging around him, and it's given him a bit more space, and just to wrap to him, back from a major surgery, three games in, I think he's been outstanding every single week. I agree. That was his um, best game. Yeah. That was his by far his best game. He got around the field a lot freer. Give him another two weeks and he'll be back to absolute scintillating form, I think. Wade Graham, massive chip on his shoulder after being benched the first few weeks. Absolutely outstanding. Andrew Fafita looks like he's finally starting to mature and come of age and realise what a monster he is. And obviously good contributions as normal from Gallen. Tupac and Tagger off the bench. It was just an absolute forward bloodbath. And yeah. on with you, just the Asada thing's the only thing that has me worried about them, but they're definitely going to go a bit further. Well, there was a little bit of a low light. The Ben Ross knee, that was disgusting. I can't believe he's only got off with a week for that knee. He, it was an intentional knee lift into the head of it was Steve Rapira. Yeah. It was a disgrace. Like It was a, it was a grub act. I, I, know, I heard on the radio yesterday they were saying, well, would you prefer the Faroso hit or the, the Ross hit? Well, how about neither? Neither are a great look for the game. Shouldn't and occur. I was I was staggered that they awarded an um, sorry at the next scrum or the next stoppage in play, a touch judge didn't come in or the video referee didn't intervene and give the Warriors a penalty. It's it split him right open and Steve Rapira didn't return to the field. So it was another case of a team gaining an advantage out of mm-hmm. foul play. It was it was a low act by Ben Ross. A mm-hmm. low act. It, it was an intentional knee lift. They're absolutely deplorable, the Warriors. The only player I do want to give a rap to is young Lamarpe, 19 years old on the wing again, just continuing these monsters that keep debuting. Good game on the weekend by him. Hopefully uh, they get a win. 5-1 uh, to one line breaks, 12-3 to three in offloads. They kicked two four, tw- uh, 40 20s, which was one thing massively in their favour. No points. One of them, they dropped it on the first play. 39 missed tackles to eight. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple of small bits and pieces there that they definitely need to clean up. They've got the Cowboys coming in this weekend. Uh, the Cowboys are pretty ordinary, as we know, but I'm still tipping the Cowboys in this one. I just I can't believe how bad the Warriors have been. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, obviously we've got the clash of the Shire, the Sharks and the Dragons. Again. Dragons on the flip Sharks side again. And uh, I tell you what, I'm seeing an absolute bloodbath coming here. The Sharks aren't taking uh, any prisoners at the moment. Yeah, well, I don't know. Sharks, I think, struggle to score points. The Dragons, I think their strength is their defence. I think it might be a little bit of a dogfight. I think if there's a game that the Dragons can get up for, it'll be this one. But the Sharks will still win, I think. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm chucking blood on that one straight away. The Red V will go down hard this weekend. Moving on to the Rabbits versus... Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The Panthers, and this is certainly a game where defence was not a factor. There was a heap of points, steaming hot game, but I thought it was an absolutely outstanding game to watch. I was excited. There wasn't really any boring barge over tries. There was some seriously good football played, and it was a, an old shootout. 
Yeah, it looked like a sevens game at some stages. There was just space everywhere in on the field. I thought coming out of it, I thought you know you can look at both sides. I thought Penrith were they were too hot and cold. They at stages they were able to uh, you know put the Rabbitohs under some pressure for long periods of time. At other stages they fell away and just gifted the Rabbitohs chances, field position, and, and in the end that was what got them. South, it's the second week in a row they've won ugly. Um, Maguire wouldn't be happy with their defence, but in the end their class got them over the line. Their key players, Inglis, um, Johnny Sutton had a good game, Sammy Burgess, they just uh, got them going forward and in the end that was probably the difference. I thought the Panthers forwards, they were gallant, mm-hmm. they were excellent. McKendry they showed, and Grant, yeah, awesome. they showed great fight. Um, I think moving forward, Penrith can take a lot out, of, you know, a lot out of that game, a lot of confidence um, into next week where they play the Titans. I, I know a lot of people probably won't pen, won't rate Penrith a chance this week, but as a Titans fan, I, it's a game that I think I think we're going to get beat. I'll mm. be honest with you. I, I don't know Penrith. It's a it's a must win now for Penrith. They, they want to get to two and two. They want, they don't want to be one and three, especially after having three out of their first four games at home. Well, I'd still be taking the Titans, even weather permitting. They've played in the heat themselves. But uh, the Panthers, like uh, we just said then, I think the big bookends, McKendry and Grant, stepped up big time. James Seguillard, I absolutely love that bloke. That was a fantastic boy. Awesome on the weekend again, threatening. Humble and Walsh, I still don't think that's the answer. I thought Humble was probably better than Walsh, to be honest. But they're the only tools they've got in their toolkit at the moment. I know, that's all they've got. But they've still got John Austin, we spoke about last week. They're obviously looking at him as a centre because he's a bit more of a ball runner. But they, they need to try something. Uh, Mansour, Nagama, Vara, I thought, you know, good contributions there. But you look at South, regardless of the scoreline, their defence does need to improve, yes. 36-12 at half-time, finishes 44-32. They definitely need to stop shutting down during games, regardless of who the opponent is. But mm. Well, Greg South Inglis. must know that I've got all-up multis running yeah. into them two weeks in a row because they just they kicked away in both games and just gave me heart attacks in the last ten. Well, it's just kind of... I don't know what it is. They love just jamming their foot on the throat and then they take it away. Mm. G.I. obviously popped up. His moments were brilliant as normal. Merrick grabs a free hat-trick pretty much off the back of him. Sutton and Reynolds, I thought, were okay. I still think they're getting too many raps just for how things are going. I thought, much like last week, solid start and then kind of fell out of the game. Yeah. Ben Teo, excellent boy. I absolutely love the bloke. Well, for um, me, like moving forward this week, they play the Dogs. They should beat the Dogs based mm. on where they're at. I know the dogs will probably get Barber back. Well, I'd be willing um, to tip the dogs purely on the fact of their performance last week. They, they showed that yeah, they, they did. they're going to keep grinding regardless of who they've got their team. If the Rabbitohs are at that point where everyone is predicting that they're you know, going to be grand final threats, mm. they should beat an understrength dog side on Good Friday. They should, but I think I may be going with the dogs this week. I think if it turns into a defensive battle, the Rabbitohs have already showed their cards. I hope they prove me wrong because I think they're a great side and but they really need to step up their defence if yeah, they want to be a premiership threat. And the dogs but are... I'm not saying that they're going to win. I'm no, just saying that I'm... they need to step up this week no, and really put in a good performance. And I think they're going to get a good game this week out of the dogs. Moving on to the Hoodoo game, the Raiders. The Hoodoo still stands. They beat the Dragons 30-17, to and they just can't seem to beat the Green Machine. No, it was a very conservative game earlier. It looked like two teams lacking confidence, um, feeling the pressure. Obviously, it was two coaches under pressure. For different reasons, David Furness had all the off-field issues, plus the shellacking they got by the Titans last week. Steve Price, a couple of poor performances in a row, and a fan base which obviously demands success. So it was a it was a strange game. Again, there was another obstruction early in this one where Brett Morris was denied a try from Ben Cray, making a little bit of contact uh, with the defender. 
they disallowed it. I thought that was a little bit of a turning point, even though uh, the Dragons managed to post the first try through Brett Morris with a with an excellent kick from Nathan Thien. But I thought if if they could have gone up twelve nil, it might have made a difference in this one. But in the end, it, it turned out to be the sort of game that I thought it would be. In the end, the Raiders had more points in them than what the Dragons did, and, and they got the win and the Hoodoo stands. The Raiders certainly do have points in them. There's no doubt about that. It's whether they want to play. But the Dragons, I'm just, I don't know, I'm dumbfounded. They're just flat, soured. I've just got a massive question mark next to him every single week. Every time I see him, I just look at him and think, does he even know that he's playing rugby league? Mm. Uh, they've got no centres at the moment. No offence to Matty Cooper. He's a touch slower. He's still a great defensive centre, but he doesn't dish up too much in attack anymore. Merrin and Rain were their two best players again. I thought Bill actually had a pretty good game along with Morris. But, yeah, Bill did play well. You know, they've, they've got no halves. I know Nathan Fien, he always tries hard, but he's definitely not a seven and he's getting older. Uh, as far as the Raiders are concerned, Reese Robinson showed why they don't have to worry about Dugan being gone. He bagged himself a double, try assist, and he had a couple of line breaks. Jared Croker was actually pretty good for a bloke who's still recovering from a knee injury and uh, thought that Sean Fenson shot, uh, finally woke up. He, he'd been a bit quiet the first few weeks and he's usually missed a consistency, so... Yeah, I'm not reading too much into that win from the Raiders. Oh, I, I want to see him go up to Newcastle now and um, put in as good of a performance as that and, and really get themselves in a game. And, you know, it, it's not a, a win or loss thing for Canberra. I think it's just you want to see them improve and you want to see them challenge those better teams, compete with them. In the first two weeks, they got pounded by um, two teams who, you know, definitely aren't going to be in the top four, but um, who you would think were going to push for top eight uh, spots. So, um yeah, it's an it's an interesting situation at, at Canberra. I don't know whether that'll probably buy Dave Ferner a couple more weeks, but um, you know the proof's going to be in the pudding in the next few weeks with who they play and how they perform. I think Steve Price is definitely big trouble. And looking at the two games they've got coming up, Dragons obviously playing the Sharks, Raiders versus the Knights. I'm not going to say the blood's in the water, but as far as the Dragons game is concerned, they're going to need to step it up big time if they want to compete with the Sharks. And the Raiders very similar. They they got a win, but. These two are both still flapping somewhere near the bottom. They need to improve big time, and they've both got hard games coming up this week. Yeah. Well, Steve Price, Mr. Gossip's got a bit of info uh, in terms of his coaching situation, so stay tuned for that. But uh, it it definitely doesn't look good. One last thing before we move on from that game. Blake Ferguson, supposed to be doing counselling, supposed to have been punished from that situation. One week, straight back in a grade. I know he had a cracker last week in New South Wales Cup, but so he should. He's an NRL player. Yep. Do you agree that he gets to play one well, week? What was, the, what was the official line out of Canberra? What do you mean? In terms of did he get a, a club suspension uh, with a you know amount of games, or was it just well, was he was supposed to be stood one down? of these fairy ones where they just put well, it out there, similar to the Barber one, where no one really knows when he's coming back, what's happened. At, well, they said, Mate, if they said that he was going to be out for two weeks and they brought him back early, I think it's ridiculous. They said indefinitely New South Wales Cup. It took one week for them to bring him back. He yeah. actually played all right, but I still don't agree. But then again, if, I mean, if you're Dave Ferner he and you're him. under pressure, yeah, it's it's one of those ones where do you sacrifice your the expectations that you set for your team over winning? I, I mean, if you know if they get beat by a point and you know you don't have Ferguson in there, people are going to be saying, well, you should have brought Ferguson back, but. Yeah. Um, for Dave Ferner, he knows better than anyone where Blake Ferguson's at. I think Blake Ferguson, to be honest with you, he's had enough chances for me. He's a moron. He he just keeps making the same errors. He argues with referees. He, he seems to get into the niggle all the time. I just think he's got so much ability. Pull your head in and play footy. And there's no doubt he's got ability, but 
it just seems to be wasted in, in stuff that he, he doesn't need to get caught up in. Well, I do like Blake Ferguson. I hope he does clean up a little bit. It's mainly just the, the drinking side of things. That a little bit on Fox there. They asked players, uh, what's the one thing they don't like about being a first grader? And he said that he isn't allowed to go out and party like normal people do his age. The only thing I've got to say to that is you're getting paid a lot more exactly. than someone your Give age. Give us some of your cash then, Blake. I'm the exact same age, and let me tell you, I'm not even close to the amount of coin you're on, but I'd much rather be in your situation yeah. than mine. But leaving that behind... Well, I mean, the Dragons, leaving that, the Dragons are... Steve Price isn't hiding to nothing. I've said this previously, but they're old. They're old. They're, they're old. slow. They've got no halves. Ooh. Jamie Sowers lost his mojo, but... I think if you throw Jamie Soward in one of the top four sides, he looks much better than what he does now. The dra- I mean, he was playing Origin and, and getting all the accolades when they were a top four side. They're no longer a top four side. I don't think that's because of Jamie Soward. Mm. I think he's probably got part to do with that. But, I mean, losing Darius Boyd, losing Wayne Bennett, and then these guys two or three years down the track, they're obviously a lot older, a lot slower. I just think it, it's time for a big shake-up at St George. Mm, well, they've got a bit of a contract crisis as well, but that's something we'll also touch on later on with Mr Gossip. And the last game of the round that we move on to, the Knights absolutely shellacking the Cowboys, 34-6. to uh, Lots of late changes. Tyron Roberts, outstanding young half, replaced Gidley. Rocco and Farlogo came in. Uh, Sims, young Corbin, got his debut finally with Mason and Tahu also moving out, but... They were just outstanding. They really, really surprised me. I was expecting the Cowboys, who were 1 through 17, to turn up and step up big time, but they were just horrible. Well, I'll put it, yeah, I'll put a spin on it. I thought this was almost an identical game as what we saw round one Monday night, where the Tigers just gave the Knights the ball, and the Knights looked like world beaters. They looked like world beaters again last night, but, you know, with the amount of ball that they got gifted in both games, I don't think you can take too much out of it. Um, obviously, the Knights have to. All they, all they have to do is win, and they, they obviously won well in both games. I'm keen to see the Knights against Canberra, and I hope that game's a 50-50 possession game and we can see them really uh, grind out a, a win when they their opposition manages to hold onto the ball and put them under some pressure because when they came up against Manly and Manly put some pressure on, they just turned the ball over and they looked fairly ordinary. So, But, I mean, Tyron Roberts, he was excellent last night. Mullen... Mullen looked much better because he's got a, a genuine halfback inside him. I think mm-hmm. the last couple of years he's had makeshift halves inside him in Gidley um, in particular. He's also had Boyd obviously playing a little bit of that um, halfback or, or ball-playing role. So I think Tyron Roberts, for me, he has to stay in the halves with Mullen. I'd play Boyd at uh, obviously at fullback. And I'd be even open to the, to the fact of playing Gidley at nine to start with. Um, Bring having Medeiros off the bench mm. and then moving Gidley to lock and just letting him float around, I, I think that could work for the Knights. So, the more attacking weapons you've got on the field at one time, the better. And, uh, you know, I don't think... Bedirus could definitely play out the last 60 minutes of the game and it would probably keep Bedirus, uh much fresher because he's not in that initial 20 minutes where blokes are whacking uh, into each other. So... Um, the Cowboys, for me, they were just terrible. They dropped a heap of ball. I thought their forwards just looked slow. Um, their props in particular, they've, they've been disappointing over the first three weeks. The, of the, the go forward was absolutely non-existent. And the other one I was going to bring up, Matt Bowen, where are you? You're, just, you're absolutely but again, missing. I, yeah, he's, he needs the forwards rolling forward. But you're right, he has been missing. Michael Morgan, I know he had a terrible game, but he's fresh back from a broken jaw. Uh, I, I do know that people have differing views. I like Morgan. I'm not saying I don't like Thompson. Thompson's a lot more consistent, but I think 
Morgan offers a lot more to their attack, but if you look at last night, you can see why Ray Thompson was uh, first choice halfback. Well, they're both very hot and cold, haven't they? They haven't been able to nail down a spot either through an injury or just lack of form. So the sooner one of those blokes can come in and play six really strong games and nail down a spot, I think the better it's going to be for uh, Jonathan Thurston. I think Thurston's in a similar situation to what Jared Mullen finds himself in with the fact that no one can seem to nail down the half spot uh, half spot uh, I mean, in order to partner him and, and that's obviously going to affect Thurston's game because Thurston's doing too much well, I thought, he's got too much responsibility I thought last night he wasn't really a factor but I, I thought he was trying too hard last night because they were just they were behind the eight ball all night they, they didn't seem to hang on manage to hang on to the ball it was just it was a real messy night for the Cowboys yeah, well, Dallas Johnson doing his normal 57 tackles in that one absolutely ridiculous uh, big fan of David Farlogo good to see a bit of aggression last night <laughs> Robbie Rocco, 150 metres, who got the start. Good on him. And Ashton Sim, uh, not Ashton, oh, well, Ashton was in the game. Sorry, yeah. I was going to say Tarek and Corbin last night. I was enjoying him into each other. getting one over his brother. And he, he had an awesome debut. So hopefully he gets a lot more top-grade football. Well, the other one out of this game was how many cuts were there? It was like a 90s horror movie. There were just there was blood everywhere. Blokes <laughs> bashing their heads together. Plenty of uh, elastoplast tape and stretchy tape used up last night and gauze because they're... Every second tackle, there was a bloke reeling out of it with his, you know, head cut open. So it was good stuff. McKinnon, in particular, he bashed his own head after whacking someone. Against Kane Lynette, and Kane Lynette's got a mountain man head, and it didn't affect him. Well, McKinnon didn't even know he was bleeding. Oh, I loved it. He stood up. He was bleeding all over himself. He was just looking to kill someone else. I thought he was really good. (laughs) That was a good game. The only note I want to leave that one on is... Bennett has to bite the bullet. Roberts has to be seven. I said it at the start of the year that Mullen was under pressure. He's playing all right. I think it's you know it's more what you were getting at. You need two genuine halves. Tyne Roberts is an outstanding young half. They well, need Boyd, to make a shuffle. And, and Boyd's in better form than what he well, was last year. He's, he's a fullback. He, you're not moving. I'm sorry for Gidley. This is another New South Wales situation, but he's played a bit of nine. He's good when he's on the field. I, I agree with that. He has to be somewhere. But Gidley's problem is he can play too many positions. Yeah, but, That's but his problem. But Dearis, you know, he, he's definitely probably going to be on the retiring end this year. He's had some surgeries. I think that's probably the best role right now. You look to mould Gidley into the long-term nine. Yep. But, uh, you know, well, when's Badiris retiring at the end of this year? So He should be. As you say, it's something that they could look at and roll into next season. Well, we've got Newcastle playing the Raiders, like we said. I think Newcastle really need to put a stamp on this week. And uh, the Cowboys, they really need to do much the similar against a team like the Warriors, who are absolutely struggling. They need to go over there. They've got a great side, and they need to just bash them. Yep. There's no nothing else to it. There's no well, six-point I mean, win they, or ten-point yeah. win. They need to take this outstanding forward pack they've got Thurston, I like more, more sharp out of dummy half, and they've got a good back line. They really need to get the sword out this week and yep. just absolutely well, cut just, the worst to pieces. You know, if I was coaching the Cowboys, it'd just be a big emphasis on holding the ball, and I'd just kick early and turn the Warriors around and just mm. take some gas out of them for the first 20. I mean, this game might be 6 0, 12 6 at half time, but the damage that you can do by holding the ball early in the game against the Warriors and turning them around and getting into a dogfight, you're going to cash in at the end of the game. So. It's just, for the Cowboys, don't shoot yourselves in the foot. I mean, they, they even tried to do it in round one against the Dogs. And, you know, they, they got taught an absolute lesson by Melbourne. So, I mean, for them, it's just got to, they've got to sort their own uh, game out and uh, get back to the things that um, they do well, which is, you know, revolve and, and play around that big forward pack of theirs. Well, let's see what happens this week with all those games. But that wraps up this week. And now we move on to our gamblers section. 
for all the latest rugby league gear, head into Leagues and Legends, now based at Shell Harbour, Mount Druitt Westfield and Campbelltown Mall Store. Or check them out online at www.nrlstore.com.au. For fifth and last listeners, you can receive free delivery on any 2013 adult NRL jersey. Be quick, jersey selling fast. Remember, www.nrlstore.com.au. Leagues and Legends. Well, into a new thing we're going to be doing every week. It's the Degenerate Gambler section. It's for all you out there who are absolute tab fiends and internet phone junkies who like to get on there and spend all your hard-earned and then sit there and eat sales and change <laughs> for the rest of the week. Uh, for this week, Brock, what do you got? Uh, well, I, I mean, I, I mean, I'm in hot form. I've got to, uh, I've got to admit, I've, I'm on the back of two massive multis. My best bet for this weekend, I think the Storm will win 13-plus over the Broncos. Um, if you're not as confident that they're going to win 13 plus, back them to lead at half time, lead at full time. Or I think we just had a look. Minus eight and a half is a dollar ninety. Yeah, so. I, I like minus eight and a half. And we both had a multi that we suggested, and we both had the exact same multi, and that would be the Storm into the Sharks into the Knights, and that's paying two dollars eighty five. If you've got a bit of spare pocket change, that's probably not a bad one to chuck on. No, they all seem like chip shot field goals. Those ones. I think the Storm should. Uh, take care of business against the Broncos. Obviously, the Sharks against the Dragons, who can't score points, and the Knights, based on last night's form, uh, you know, you think they get the cash over Canberra, but that, that's probably the only one in there that I'd, I'd feel a little bit nervous about. You got any other ones you just want to chuck in there? Um, I do think Parramatta are going to be good value to beat the Roosters, and I also think the Panthers are going to be good value to beat the Titans. So oh. if you if you're not keen on backing them head to head, back them with the uh, you can back them with a the twelve and a half start, both. Would probably be around the dollar thirty, dollar forty mark for with a twelve and a half start. I think they're both good bets. Yeah, well, for me, I've got a few darkies. If you like, man, you like to have a random ten dollar bet with some good odds. I think a forty twenty usually pays about four dollars twenty. If you pick one to be kicked in a game, I think Parrot or the Storm, Chrissy Sandow seems to be popping one every week, and Cooper Cronk. I think uh, he's a shoe in almost once every two weeks to be kicking one of those. Yeah, I think. The market, the market usually is. Will there be a forty twenty in the match? And mm. usually, I think it's a dollar. It's around a dollar twenty five, dollar thirty. No, yeah. and usually around three dollars. Yes, but I haven't actually had a look at any of those markets this year. So um, those odds may be a little bit shorter on the S yes because there's been so many kicked mm. in the first couple of rounds of the competition. Well, so I'd definitely like the power of the storm for that if you want some juicy. And yeah, another one. Any time try scorers, sometimes you can get. A two or a two dollars fifty. I don't know quite what Uate will be this week. They haven't posted it up yet, but I think he'd be, he'll be about two dollars. I backed David Mead last weekend to score a try against uh, Manly, and he, he paid two dollars even. Yeah. So we all love the first and last try scorer, but the odds and how often it actually happens are ridiculous. You're better off just loading up on somebody in a, in a dodgy game that you think they're going to try, and I, I think Uate will find his way over again this week. So yeah, you'd think so. That's a bit of betting value for you guys this week from the Degenerate Gambler section. Don't break the bank because always your missus will backhand you. Yeah, we're now going to move into some uh, predictions for this weekend, make some bold predictions. Um, my one would be that I think Parramatta will beat the Roosters. Um, and I also think, I think I'm not as confident, but I think the Panthers will uh, will get the Titans this weekend, my side. Well, I don't really see too many upsets happening, but I will make a prediction that Steve Price will get fired within the next couple of weeks. <laughs> I don't think they're going to get any better as far as on-field is concerned, and I think it's about time they do something. There's been talk that uh, good old Tony Smith, Brian Smith's brother, who's spent a long time in the UK coaching the England side, been very successful, was somebody they looked at, and obviously they were scouting out Flanagan when he was stood down for that little bit of time there, but... 
if I'm them, it's time to bite the bullet, get a new coach in, change the style of football, get on the market. And uh, like I said, later on, we're going to be talking to Gossip about a bit of a contract crisis they've got, so I don't want to touch too much on that at the moment, but we certainly will later on. But, right, uh, so if, yeah. if the Sharks put 40 past the Dragons on the weekend, does Price have a job? Well, if it was me, you wouldn't. But uh, like I said, it's more, well, it's who, more about who's... Who are you going to get? Well, and that's what, what I've just said. It's yeah. more about who's available. And I, is I it going to benefit... Is it going to make the football team better? Probably not. But like I said, I that's think... That's why I don't understand For the it. situation they're in, I don't think Steve Price is the right man, regardless of what's there. I don't think he's a guy who's going to be able to sit there and do a tough rebuild. I think you need a more stern head. I know Tony Smith has been over there for a long time and he hasn't been in the NRL, but you, you know, I think you need an older, more stern figure to bring some of these kids through and kind of crack the whip, draw a line in the sand and just starts cracking skulls. So I think uh, Tony Smith or one of the, the other Aussie contingent from over there, Tim Shane's is still floating around. Yep. Maybe a possibility. Well, yeah, I think Shane's this year with the World Cup. I don't think he's going to be taking an NRL job, especially not the Dragons. But it's probably a good lead into our Facebook question this week, which is going to be the poll on our page on, on Facebook. It, uh, it is which coach do you think will be sacked first? So the options obviously will be Price, Ferner, Griffin and Elliot. So jump onto the Facebook page, guys. Leave some comments. We'll, uh, if we get uh, some good comments, we'll, uh, we'll share them um, with everyone on the podcast next week. But um, we'll always share that, uh, the result of the poll um, in our first section in the Fast Five. Yeah, well, I'm obviously going to ask you. I've picked Price. Who do you think will go first if someone does get... Oh, I... I tend to lean towards Elliot. I just think Elliot was just a failure to start with. Not not anything personal against Matty Elliot, but I don't know. The players just aren't playing for him. They just look unemotional. They don't seem to care that they're getting pounded. Um, and I think, you know, the Dragons have probably had the harder draw. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the Warriors, the Warriors have probably played tougher sides than what the uh, what the Dragons have. So. Um, well, I think purely on the fact that he's only just started his stint, regardless of whether they wanted Ira or not, I think he'll see out the year, or he'll get closer to the year. He'll see out the year. And they'll give him the shaft at the back end. I don't think they'll do it this early, but I've got Price, my, I think Price is on dead legs. Yeah, I've got my words mixed then. I think the Warriors have had um, an easier draw than what the Dragons have. That's that's the point that I was trying to get across. So. But, I mean, you just don't know. A lot of the time, clubs might not even be thinking about sacking their coach, but with the media pressure and the the pressure of the supporter base, you're probably right in thinking it's going to be Price because, I mean, who's going to be under more pressure from the fan base? It's definitely going to be Price, not Elliot. Mm, most definitely. Well, that wraps up the Degenerate Gambler section. Have a look at some of that value if you're interested and uh, get onto the Facebook page, have a vote on the poll and look out for the bold predictions as well. But uh, now we move on to the segment we have every week, obviously, Mr. Gossip. It's time for your weekly dose of goss from Mr. Gossip. And a welcome as always to Mr. Gossip. Welcome back, Mr. Gossip. G'day, lads. What's happening? Oh, very little, mate. Very little. Another day, another dollar. Yeah, it's been big this week, that's for sure. Every day it seems to change with, with new gossip, so... Happy days. What do you got for us this week, mate? Well, I guess the big topic's Josh Dugan, and that literally does change day by day. Now, we know the Dragons have offered him big, big coin, and I said on last week's podcast that he really would be crazy to go to the Dragons, and he's, he's better off going to the Broncos because it's a little bit more stable. Well, what's happened since then is he's uh, broken off with his uh, partner, 
Miss um, Palmer, which is quite funny because I, I think <laughs> I know the school name Miss Palmer. But and her five um, daughters, or yeah, she's carrying his, his little boy at the moment, and it's a bit of a bit of a sad case there. They've split, but anyhow, she's moved back to Brisbane now. He obviously still wants to be close to his son, so. Now the talk with the Broncos has stepped up a little bit. They can't match the offer that the Dragons are offering, but like I said last week, it's a, it's a much more stable environment up there and a better culture. So I would say for his family and for his son and, and for his career, he's best off signing with the Broncos. I, I think he'll do that. Yeah, I don't even think that one is something that we even need to really touch on as far as the argument between Broncos and Dragons. I think it's... Very obvious that there's there's a lot better culture at the Broncos, even though they are struggling at the moment. You always know they're going to be rock solid, and especially now, bloody your baby boy up in Brisbane. I don't think there's too much rocket science there. You stay close to your child. Sure, that's it. So I'm expecting something to be put pen to paper very soon, so we can all get on with football. Mm-hmm. Cool. And also, we had uh, Brent Kite, uh, Sea Eagle, signing with the Panthers. Now, had a lot of cranky Panthers fans there on gossip, you know, sort of saying he's too old and whatnot. Well, I guess he is, but you've got to look at Penrith, and their juniors at the moment are going fantastic. I'm, I'm pretty sure they're all they're undefeated in all, all their lower grades. So to have someone like Brett Kite around the club would be fantastic for them, I, I think, personally. Yeah, I... The, the one for me was, like, obviously, I'm involved there, and as you say, the junior sides are flying. Um, it would just be, obviously, contract juggling and, and things like that. So I think they might, obviously must have front rollers off contract, and they probably picked Brent Kite up at a decent price. And as you say, um, they seem to be more focused at the moment. I think a lot of their spending is revolved around uh, getting guys in that are going to build a good culture. Um, yeah. for all these young blokes. So it fits in with what uh, they're trying to achieve there. But um, I can sort of understand fans being upset with it based on the fact that they probably want to see success on the field sooner rather than later. And um, Brent Kite certainly on the, you'd think, the downhill run in his career. But, um, yeah, I, I guess there's, you, you can look at it either way. Uh, the proof of being the pudding once he gets here and, and see how he plays and what effect he has on the club. Yeah, I mean, either way, the Panthers have still got lots of money in the kitty. Now, what I'm hearing is this is just one step to a bigger signing, and I'm hearing that Gus desperately wants Jamie Lyon. So they've got enough money to get Jamie Lyon over there, mm-hmm. and Jamie Lyon's off contract. Again, he's, he's old as well, but he's a tremendous player, and he seems to be getting better each year. So it, it, it could be that they're just getting Kitey over there to, to lure Jamie Lyon over there. I mean, who knows, but... Um, I guess we'll we'll see in the next couple of months. Yeah, I think the early report in the year was that he wanted a three-year deal and the Titans were obviously willing to chuck up the, the three-year deal and Manly the two and that obviously all exploded and he said it was all a crock. Uh, not how, sure how true that is, but I'm pretty sure that Penrith would be keen to offer him a three-year deal, especially once again backing up to the, the junior subject. They're coming first in the 20s, first in ball and mat, so there's plenty of players coming through, so he's another great one. If you wanted to groom your young blokes, that's for sure. Well, that's it. I mean, Jamie Lyon, obviously, we know he can play in the centres. He can also play 5'8", so he's a handy, handy player to have at any club. So it'll be interesting to see if Gus gets him, and we know they've got the money to do it. And Manly are pretty tight with their cat, with you know, with the uh, Stewart brothers and their halves. So uh, who knows? He could be at Penrith. We'll just, we'll just have to wait and see. I know they're pushing. You know what I think's a little bit understated? I watched Penrith train on Saturday morning. 
I think the effect that Trent Barrett's had in terms of the coaching there and also the lure to come over to play at Penrith, I think he's obviously, he'd have a relationship with Brent Kite. He'd know Jamie Lyon from his days playing Origin. I think that's a little bit understated in all this, um, you know, the contract talks around Penrith. I think Trent Barrett's having a real positive effect on the recruitment and the ability for Penrith to attract players to come over. Oh, absolutely. And I don't think people realise how close Jonathan Thurston was to signing with the Panthers. He pretty much rang Garth a week week before he announced he was going to the Cowboys. He said, look, no, we're coming to Penrith. But the only reason that he's staying up in North Queensland is his, his missus is pregnant and they just want to stay up there. So, mm. yeah, you're right. I mean, having someone like Trent Brad at any club, you know, is going to attract, you know, great players so yeah plus plus obviously I mean yeah plus Ivan and Gus and you know the place is changing the place is on the up and yeah it's signings like this I mean it's better than the signings that we're used to out here you know Penrith seemed to be renowned for buying the washed up has been and or the guy that's got plenty of potential and playing paying overs for those type of players so it's good to see them buying the tried and tested well, that's it exactly, and uh, we just touched on Kite, but the Panthers have got a few forwards coming off contract anyway. I think Newton's off contract, Dane Weston's uh, off contract, Nigel Plum's off contract, so it's not as though they're going to have you know a heap of forwards next year, so maybe why they've got Kite. Yeah, for sure, mate. But, uh, yeah, moving along, um, the Titans, Jordan Rankin, the young fella. Now, he's requested a release, an immediate release, to get out of the Titans and to sign with the Dragons, who are desperate for anyone, really. So that's yet to be approved by the Titans, but the young fella is jumping up and down and saying this is a, a career opportunity for him. So we'll have to wait and see whether the Titans let him go. Well, for the last three years, I've been begging the Titans to let him go. So I'd be showing, <laughs> I'd be rolling out the red carpet for him. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you know, he, he might go. And, and like I said, the, the, the Dragons are desperate. I'm also hearing that um, obviously the board aren't happy with Steve Price. Now, Apparently, he's got five weeks. If, if they're none, none from fives, he's gone. And it looks like Steve Stokes may come in as caretaker, and then they'll get Brian Smith's brother, as I said last week, in the podcast to come over uh, for, for next season. So that'll be interesting if they are none from fives. I had a look at Senebet this morning, and they're, I think they're 110 to 1 to, to get anywhere. So, you know, they could be none from one, and Steve Price could be washing cars for a little <laughs> well, I said it uh, earlier. We had a chat about some of the options, and one that flew over my head, and I seen him on the TV on Sunday, and thought, Steve, folks, you're talking about a bloke who won a premiership with the Bulldogs and did a pretty bloody good job before they obviously had a pretty severe culture change with all those young gun players who kind of let loose and kind of seemed, uh, you know, too much rope and hung himself. But he was a fantastic coach back in the day, so that that'd be a great oh, yeah. internal option for now to probably bring a bit of discipline and a bit of the old school, and then yeah, Tony Smith is. Obviously, very tried and tested over there, and a former England international coach. So he's obviously got the runs on the board to come back and try and whip that club into shape and get some young blokes on board. Yeah, Steve Fosh, he was a brilliant coach at Canterbury. You got to remember that they went through the salary cap drama, they went through the Coffs Harbour scandal, but it never affected them. In fact, they won the comp in 2004 with the Coffs Harbour stuff hanging over them. So mm. he knows how to get to the lads, and he knows how to get the best out of them. And being an ex-four, he was a terrific player in his day. And we know that the Dragons are really at the moment, they're just built on forwards. Their forwards are fantastic. So I think folks would be really good for them. So for the Dragons fans out there, I hate to say it, but I hope Steve Price gets the slick because I think they'll do something under, under folks. 
Well, I was surprised, mate, that um, West Tigers didn't make a harder play for Steve Folks. I know they've got someone in very similar um, in Mick Potter, but uh, I know Folks who was there doing a little bit of the uh, conditioning stuff, uh, you know, obviously the year before last, but um, I thought he would have been a, a, a candidate or, or at least a consideration for the Tigers once they uh, decided to punch Sheens, but obviously they went with Potter. But very similar coaches, and, and as you say... I, uh, much in that mould that what the Tigers sort of needed and, and the Dragons are looking like they need something very similar. They need a bit of a shake-up there and someone to give them the uh, the hard line and the hard nose. Oh, yeah, folks won't take anything. Uh, he's even worked for the West Indies, I think. Yeah. Cricket, so he's, he's sort of been everywhere, but yeah, he'd, he'd be good for that. Yeah, 100%. And also, yeah, also we've got uh, Corey Norman. Now, I've been speaking about this every podcast saying he's going to sign. Um, well, finally, he did. Now it was 1.5 million over three years, which is which is massive, really. I mean, uh, I guess I mean Corey Norman's a good player, but is he worth that much? No, <laughs> I've automatically put my hand up as soon as we're thinking about who's going to talk about this one first. And I said it earlier in the show when I read 1.5 million, I just thought Ricky Stewart bash your head on a table as hard as you can. They've, you yeah. know, you've, you've got some money in the bank. I understand that. You're looking to build a side and get some blokes in with some of the good juniors they've got, like Tau Tai and Kalepi Tanganoa. But five hundred thousand dollars for a bloke that's played a little bit of five eight, a little bit of fullback, hasn't really set the world on fire. He is good. Don't get me wrong, and I bet he could be anything he wants to be. But at this point in time, he has done nothing to justify half a million dollars a season. Well, I guess that's what payment have to pay. I mean, mm. you know, they've got to pay overs for players because no one really wants to go there. Well, yeah. I'd really like to know what the Broncos offered him. Tick them to get up to five hundred. Look, this surely can't be another Sandow situation where South say you're only worth probably two hundred, two fifty, and then all of a sudden Parramatta go, we'll give you half a million dollars. I don't see how your negotiating skills get to that level. I'm really confused as to how five hundred is the figure they came out with. But you know, each to their own. Yeah, I don't think Parramatta. Well, they're not really a one-team town, so they can't really come up with third party. So, yeah, they are. They're going to use a lot of their cap for this bloke. So, I'm sorry for their sake that he, that he yeah. works out. Well, I sort of I look at it from the Broncos' perspective now as well. I think it's very important that they get Josh Dugan because if they're going to lose Norman, Prince is only a short-term sort of fix there. Obviously, the Wallace situation, it's not looking great. Um, Josh Hoffman, I bet you he's not real happy being stuck on a wing. So, their outside backs and half situation now with Corey Norman leaving, that's it's changed dramatically. So... I think they're a club that's going to feel the after effects of this signing for sure. Yeah, they need Dugan. I mean, looking at them against the Roosters, I feel yeah. sorry for their forwards. Their forwards really put in, defended well, made a lot of yards, and their and their halves and their outside backs just uh, just really disappointing. Mm, they were, mate, for sure. Yeah. Also, uh, Todd Carney, got the money. He will stay a shark. He's not going anywhere. His managers talking to other clubs, but that's only to prop up the deal. He'll be at the Sharks for sure. Um, as will uh, Jared Hayne. He'll stay at the Eels. Um, I don't think many clubs are going to want his needy nature. Um, so I'll say he'll he'll stay at the Eels as well. Yeah, well, the Jared Hayne thing doesn't surprise me. I'm just more wondering, you know, what they're going to have to pay to keep him. I th- hope he's not trying to chase too much coin because he's going to have to step up and have a pretty massive year if he's going to justify, you know, another massive contract, especially with the, the cap increase. But as far as Todd Carney is concerned, uh, massive wraps to him. Three games back from a, a severe injury, such as your Achilles tendon, which usually tends to slow people down or restrict them. I think he's been outstanding the first three games, so good on him. Yeah, 
Oh, absolutely brilliant! And as a Blues fan myself, it's just it's mouth watering. Mm. I just I just hope they don't put Mitchell Pearce inside him. But it looks like Lyle has already said that Mitchell Pearce is his man. But yeah, well, I was sort of I was having to think about the origin side on the weekend. I, I think you could have Carney Reynolds and Reynolds. You could play Adam Reynolds at seven. You could play Carney at six and have Josh Reynolds as your bench utility. I guess I, that'd work for me. Um, I think they're the best three halves, best three options we've got in terms of um, attack and, and and our structure in New South Wales. So. If Mitchell Pearce gets a run, for me, he's probably fourth, fifth, maybe even sixth ranked. I'd rank Aiden Caesar ahead of Mitchell Pearce at the moment. Yeah, I knew you would. <laughs> no, like honestly, it's not the, uh, it's not just the bias coming out. Like I, I genuinely think he's a better player than Mitchell Pearce. You know, he's. You look at the tools that Mitchell Pearce has got around him. You look at the tools that Aiden Caesar's got around him, and yeah. you know, I know where I'd rather be playing. No, he's, he's a great player. I think he, he made the emerging blue squad a couple of years ago when yeah. he was at the Bulldogs before he, he got injured with the Titans. I'm pretty sure he did. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, I'm not saying pick Aiden Caesar for, for New South Wales. I think he's a long way off that. But I, I think he's a better player than Mitchell Pearce. Yeah, well, I guess, yeah, early days yet. But, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Is that it, Also, sorry, mate. Sorry, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Also, we've got uh, Cronulla Sharks forward Anthony Tupo. He's off contract as well. Now, I'm hearing he wants to link back up with Ricky Stewart. Ricky Stewart basically had him as a young fellow at the Roosters many yeah. years ago. And, um, yeah, Ricky's trying to get the funds to get him over the Eels. Also, the Tigers are interested as well. So, the Sharks have got an abundance of back rowers. So, I wouldn't be surprised if Anthony Tupo either goes to the Tigers or the Eels. Yeah, I think that's a pretty obvious one that's going to happen there. And for Ricky Stewart, I don't think it's such a bad thing again with the situation there and get a bloke in who's played international football in origin. And he had a barnstorm on the weekend. I know most people do that when they're up for contract. But what a lot of people don't know is he's got a pretty severe degenerative knee problem. You know, They've been trying things for the last three years to try and get him through a pre-season. Last year, they were doing this new thing where they invigorate blood and then inject it into the kneecap with some German thing to try and help grow the cartilage back. So, you know, he, he's in a fair bit of pain and he, he's still going around. So I big ups to him, but I think Parramatta should definitely try and get him on the cheap. That's you, for sure. You'd buy him? I'd buy him on the cheap for you sure. You know what? If I was Parramatta, I wouldn't re-sign Hayne and I wouldn't buy Anthony Tupo. That's just me. Wow. I, I'd like, Parramatta fans, they... Jared Hayne doesn't justify the dollars he's on. I'm sorry. No. but and, and why are they going to re-sign him? Based on what? Based on what he did for 10 weeks in 2009. Is that why? They, yeah. I just, I can't. If he was at Penrith, would Gus re-sign him? No. We, we well, there you go. Gus did no. So he wouldn't re-sign him. I, yeah, I think that's the that's the way that Parramatta have almost got to go. It's As long as they, they keep players like that and they say that that's okay um, to play for 10 weeks every four years, I think they're, they're going to be in dire straits. Also, too, I think what other coach is going to want to have Jared Hayne because of his up and down and, and as I said before, his needy nature? Yeah, well, not not for the price that he's asking, that's for sure. No, he's high maintenance and if there's one person that, that can probably pull him in the line, I thought it would have been Ricky Stewart. And I thought Ricky Stewart did do the right thing by putting him as captain to give him a little bit extra incentive, but it hasn't worked. I mean, what, what more can Ricky do? Yeah, I see. I disagree. I I couldn't have him as captain because you just saw the effect he had on had on the side on Friday night. They Parramatta just lost the plot when Jared Hayne lost the plot. I I'd have to give the captaincy to someone more stable. You know, like a, I was even surprised Rennie Matua got 
got the captaincy. But, I mean, for me, someone like maybe Tim Manor, um, I know he's one of the yeah. co-captains, but to have three three leaders as well, it just, to me, as a coach, I, I don't understand it. I, I think you have one and then you have a vice-captain for when that bloke goes off the field. I'm of the old school in terms of leadership. Just because you've uh, got a C next to your name doesn't mean that everyone's not a leader. You know, Everyone's got a, a sense of responsibility. I just see it as passing the buck, basically. Parramatta you know, needed to just bite the bullet and give it to one of those young blokes who um, who's shown that they have the ability to lead. Yeah, I mean, Ricky doesn't have his roster he wants there yet. He's sort of inherited yeah. someone else's roster. I think I think he's just he's just sort of playing around with it at the moment. He hasn't promised the, the Eels fans anything, really. It's just a, a building phase for him. But yeah. uh, I can't knock him for, for at least giving Hayne a go at captaincy because they've tried everything else with the guy. They've yeah. put him at 5'8", they've put him at fullback, they've put him cutting oranges, everything. Now, what, what, what more can you do? Yeah, I agree. I, I just think this is probably last chance saloon for him. So I think Ricky will put all his cards on the table, as you say, try as much as he can. But if it doesn't work, I just I couldn't resign him. If it, if it doesn't work, I, you're paying so much money for someone who's not, you know, giving you the output that you need. Yeah, well, who knows? They may get him at a reduced fee. We'll have to wait and see. Mm. Now, also to the last one we got is um, the Bulldogs, Josh Reynolds. Now, he wants to stay a Bulldog. The Bulldogs want him, but a bit of a shock to the Bulldogs. He's asking what I'm hearing is, is, is huge, huge money. So the Bulldogs are sort of huddling around for change and their Estes and their glove boxes at the moment <laughs> trying to keep him at the club. So I think he'll stay, but um, it, it's been a bit of a surprise that they haven't already locked him away. But a lot of Bulldog fans email me all the time saying, when are you going to be signed? When are you going to be signed? Well, I guess they're just trying to find the extra funds to, to pay him to pay him what he, what he, what he needs. And what he, that was really, I think, is a fantastic young player. Mm. Yeah, I was going to say, he's the kind of bloke I look at in one of these situations where you talk about big money and getting comfortable. He doesn't strike me as that kind of person. The way he plays the game at the moment and every single week, he's the kind of guy I look at and go, you could pay him $5, you could pay him a million dollars, he's still going to turn up and try and win every contest. I think he's a fantastic player and hopefully he gets every dollar that's coming to him, and especially if he keeps playing the way he is at the moment. It's, it's awesome to watch him. Yeah, well, if you were Parramatta, would you want Josh Reynolds or Jared Hayne? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to keep harping on it, but it's, it's. Do you want Corey Norman or do you want Josh Reynolds? I would have been willing to pay for Josh Reynolds. Yeah. And Josh Reynolds just looks like Cherry Lamb to me. Fantastic, yeah, fantastic competitor. Man, he's a great player. He's really held them together with those guys being out the first couple of rounds. So he's done really yeah, well. That's true. Anything else that's in the cards, Mark? No, that's it, guys, for the gossip this week. All right, well, we'll get on to all of our tips as we usually do. So Thursday night, we kick it off. Eagles versus the Tigers at Brookie. Uh, this one, I'm still, like I said, early days. It's a bit hard to get a gain on form. I think the Tigers were given that game last week by Parramatta. They scored some absolute Barney tries. I think the Eagles would be pretty cranky and heading back to Brookvale. I'm going to get on the Eagles. Oh, no, they're at Blue Tongue. This is up, I think oh, it's up Blue the Central Tongue, Coast. So, yeah, yeah, I'm going to the game, so it better be a bloody Blue Tongue. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, look, for me, Manly will bounce back. I think the Tigers' two wins have been soft wins, so I think they'll come crashing down to earth on Thursday. Yeah, Seagulls, they'll get them by plenty, I think. Yeah, well, Friday, my boys, the Storm, they fly up to Brisbane. I think this is a great time to be going to Brisbane. We've got a nice week turnaround. I'm not even going to bother talking about this one. I'm back in the Storm, early days, accumulating points before the origin period. I'm on the Storm. Yeah, I think even the Storm probably only have to score probably 20 points to win. I I don't think the Broncos have got any more than three tries in them, and if they get three tries, I'll, I'll fall out of the lounge chair. So I'm tipping the Storm. 
Yeah, the Storm as well. Um, the Broncos' defence hasn't been too bad, as I said. You know, they, they had the Roosters to eight points. So I think it'll be a tight one. I think you're probably looking at about an 18 zip scoreline or an 18 8 or something like that. But um, yeah, the Storm for sure. Well, the doubleheader on Friday, the Dogs versus the Rabbits, a blockbuster game. Uh, this one, I'm going to tip the Rabbits, not too confidently. I think the Bulldogs showed a bit of fight last week, especially without those three internationals. I've seen Frank Pritchard's on an extended bench, so he's one close to coming back, and obviously they've got Barber. I'm going to go the Rabbits, but uh, I think the Dogs are definitely going to give their uh, this team a run for their money, and defense is going to be prime, so that's why I think the Dogs may have a, a decent chance. Yeah, I'm going to go the other way. I've circled the rabbits, but I've just talked myself out of it. I'm going to go with the dogs. I just think they're one and two. I don't think they can really afford to slip to one and three. Um, I think the rabbits have had two soft wins on the back of their um, opening performance in round one. Uh, I'm going to tip the dogs, especially with Barber back now. So, Yeah, Barber back's going to give them confidence. Pritchard back, as you said. I think the Bulldogs are too good for the rabbits. Yeah, well, one game on Saturday, Sharks at Shark Park versus the Dragons. I'm, once again, pretty much very short and blunt on this one. It's going to be an absolute feed and frenzy for the Sharks as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, the Dragons don't have enough points in them. Again, I don't think the Sharks are that great in attack at the moment either. But, again, I, I think they'll win by at least three tries. 18-point gap. Yeah, I think the Warriors are going for 12 losses in a row, which is absolutely dismal. And I think they'll get 13 losses against the Sharks. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, we've got the Panthers and the Titans on Sunday. Uh, this one, obviously, out in the West, it's going to be bloody hot again, most likely, but the Titans are pretty used to it. I'm going to back the Titans in this one. They've been very, very good so far as far as defence. Not too many points going up on the board, but I think they'll get the job done. Um, I'm going to go against my boys. I'm going to tip the Panthers, only because every time I put my Titans jersey on and I go to centre bet, we get rolled and I get abused the whole way out. So at least if I go there this weekend and they get beat, I'll be happy. Uh, sorry, if they win, I've tipped uh, against them. I'll, I'll be happy. So um, they're only one and three at centre bet. The last time they actually won was on an Easter Sunday clash in 07. So that might be a bit of an omen for the Titans, but I'm still going to go against them. Yeah, I'm going to go the Titans as well. They've got a massive forward pack, and we saw the Panthers really struggle against the, the Rabbitohs forward pack as well. So I think the, the Titans would be too good, but. Uh, we saw that the Panthers have got a little bit of fight in them. Uh, it was interesting to hear Ivan Cleary after the Rabbitohs game say, you know, I just wish my boys would believe in themselves. So well, yeah. if, the Panthers, if the Panthers believe in themselves, they could make a go of it. But I think the Titans' patch is a little bit too big. I heard coming out of the uh, dressing room on, on Sunday that um, Ivan was pretty upset at half-time about that fact exactly, just the lack of self-belief. and. I oh, know he was he was massively confident all week that they could roll the bunnies, but um, I don't think the players believed as much as he did. And mate, they showed glimpses if they could have put an eighty-minute performance together, um, they could have easily rolled the Rabbitohs. That's why I'm pretty confident they'll beat the Titans this week. Yeah, I also know that for the press conference, he was very late for the press conference <laughs> after the game and had a, a real heart-to-heart uh, with his players and. So who knows, the Panthers might come out with a bit of self-belief and just throw the ball around, so you never know. Yeah, I think we all have a heart-to-heart, e.g. <laughs> flipping over the table and throwing the Gatorade tub at the wall and telling everyone <laughs> to get effed. But, uh, <laughs> the second Sunday game on a beautiful Easter Sunday. The Knights back up at Hunter Stadium again. They've got the Raiders coming down off a win, but I think it's going to be another rude awakening. I'm going to back the Knights in this one. They looked really, really good the other night. 
great to see the third Sims brother play. And David Fa'alogo, the mask back. I was waiting for him to crack somebody. <laughs> it didn't happen, but I'm just um, waiting for someone to put him in a grapple and Aster style and him to crack him. So Yeah, I put my Foxtel IQ on pause to see if I could find some of Braith and Aster's chin still on uh, David Fa'alogo's left hand. So, But I, I didn't see any of it. Going back to, uh, when was that? That was 07, 08, something like that. A while ago. <laughs> Clock Braith and Aster. YouTube hit that one. Um, I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to back the Knights just because I think the Raiders had a soft win and they were, you know, they took them a while to even put that win away against the Dragons. The Knights, they got plenty of ball again. They probably had another uh, win gifted to them last night, but I'm going to go on what I know. And at the moment, I, that's a, the Knights are probably a better side than the Raiders. Yeah, and Gidley, who? Who's Gidley? Mm. Who's neither Gidley? Yeah. They're not <laughs> fantastic without him. And, um, yeah, I, I, think, um, I think I'll roll the Raiders. Yeah, Tyron Roberts, absolutely outstanding. Keep your eyes on him. A beautiful yeah, wow, what a player. Oh, mate, outstanding. A Monday double, looking forward to this one. Absolute cracker. Warriors and the Cowboys over in New Zealand. I don't think even going across the Dutch can save <laughs> the Cowboys. I think, uh, oh, sorry, save the Warriors. I think the Cowboys have to shape up this week. You can't have the Australian front row, Jonathan Thurston, Matt Bowen, and the side that they have and not be putting results up the board. It's time to pull the sword out, and it's time to destroy the Warriors. Yeah, well, there's one thing that I know, and that's the Warriors are rubbish, and um, they're playing with absolutely no passion, no enthusiasm. The Cowboys, again, they're a similar boat to uh, the Dogs. They can't afford to go one and three, so I'm going to tip the Cowboys with plenty of confidence. Are you going to, Mr. Gosby, going to back the uh, Warriors again on the law of averages, or...? Yeah, I know. <laughs> you, I knew you'd remember that. You know, with, the, with the Cowboys, they disappoint me. I've got to say, because every year I think they're going to do good. And last week before I did my tips, I thought, oh, the Cowboys are away. And I thought, no, they've got the experience now to, to not worry about home and away and all that rubbish. But they proved me wrong. They got absolutely rolled by the night. So who, who bloody knows with the Cowboys? What's mm. going to happen? Well, who knows with uh, the Warriors? It's one of those games, isn't it? That's just crazy. And if the experience they've got, you'd think they would be able to overcome that. Mm. But, yeah, I'll go to Cowboys, but with absolutely no confidence. That means the Warriors will win, probably. <laughs> yes! Get your money on the Warriors! <laughs> what are they paying? What are they paying? Oh, <laughs> yeah, get on, get on to it. Well, the last game of the round, another Monday night one, Roosters and the Eels. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.